right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Hour, hour three already. You know what we failed to mention is Sunday Night Football was pretty good too. Sunday Night Football was really good. Um, but I don't know what to make of like Nick Sirianni's antics. I feel like that's great when you're 6-0, and but it's also a situation where just him going nuts on the sidelines, you mean? Constantly, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 it kind of rubbed me the wrong way last night, too. And, and I like Nick Sirianni, but mm. it doesn't feel very head coach-ish, does it? I mean, I don't want my I, – Which I, I guess is kind of dumb, you know? I mean, we sit here and complain, I, I'm sick of coach speak this. Right. and you know. But I there's want, a balance to it, right? I mean, the coach, you know, spraying an F-bomb at the opposition, it's just – Come on, dude. You got to go to Dallas and play again this year. It's Well, and you know this as well as I do. As soon, as soon as things turn, and there will be a turn, and to what degree, okay, we'll find out. But, man, those things have a way of creeping back up on you, and nobody's going to be kind about it. Also, we've learned today, 11 a.m. kick for OU Iowa State, a week from Saturday. We get the bye week to – kind of refresh engage let's go and it's all in also he kind of probably i'm just watching he's like he looks weird like he doesn't look comfortable over there on the sidelines like he's wearing a sweatshirt that's like too tight for him sirianni that is like, what is what's going on there your actions can and will be used against you in the court of public opinion i mean i i like the eagles but i don't and and i like Jalen. But I also don't watch him and think, oh, yeah, dude, that's a team that's going to run the table. No, and a win is a win is a win. And they're True. 6-0. and They're the you know only unbeaten team. But I actually came away from that game last night a little bit disappointed with the way the Eagles finished that game. I thought left, left you feeling like, okay, yeah, this is not the NFL's best team. Uh, a couple of other just because we typically do the Newcastle Casino top five stories of the day where we cover everything, but today it's all Sooner stuff. So a couple of other notes. Uh, Josh Gordon got cut by the Tennessee Titans today. Jack Easterby is out uh, with the Texans. And uh, uh, Robbie Anderson, no update on his status after he was kicked off the sidelines. Baseball, Yankees, Guardians tonight, 6 o'clock. Winner moves on to the AFC. The AFC. AFC championship game. I'm so into football, you guys. AL championship game. And Monday Night Football tonight, Broncos Chargers. All right. Five things we've learned from the Oklahoma Sooners. Five takeaways we had from Saturday presented by Newcastle Casino. Number oh, five. Yep. Sorry. Oh, you want to do the open first? Ah, game. I want to make sure I take care of Newcastle Casino because they take care of us. All right. Here we go. Let's yeah, I, I, I fumbled it. Here we go. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. All right, Newcastle Casino is located off I-44, exit 107. Newcastle Casino has happy hour Monday through Friday, 3 to 6. The best reels in the Metro Newcastle Casino. All right, um, big takeaway number five. Number five. Marvin... Mims needed to be involved, and he absolutely was. Um, I think it's fair to say he was pretty upset after the Texas game. Don't blame him. 
<laughs> I think pretty much everybody was pretty upset after the Texas game. But on Saturday, nine catches, 106 yards, I think, what, 16 total targets? Um, I just see such a difference maker, right? We opened the show talking about Braden Willis, but Jeff Levy, Jeff Levy has three letters on his play sheet. FTS. Always to remind him to do what? Feed the stud. Feed the stud. And obviously, Eric Gray was a stud on Saturday. 20 carries for 176 yards and two scores. But Marvin Mims, nine catches, 106 yards. And ooh, they missed on a couple. They missed on a couple. That would have been huge. But I think it's fair to say that Mims' involvement, in addition to What's coming up in big takeaway number four. Men's involvement, Josh, makes all the difference in the world in the explosiveness of this offense. No doubt. I mean, it's at times very, very difficult, the game of football, and at other times it's just find a way to get the football to somebody like Marvin Mims and let him go make you smart. And Marvin Mims went and made Oklahoma smart. Gosh, he looked good. He looked good. He's a stud, isn't he? We didn't get a chance to talk to him post-game, um, but that's fine. I mean, he came by and checked in, and he looked good. I know he took a couple hard shots, hobbled off the field one time. But, yeah, it's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a dude. That's a guy that's going to play in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, NFL wide receiver. That, that's what it is. All right, number four. Number four. The Gabriel difference. And he was electric. He was accurate. And so much, Josh, for abandoning the running game with Dylan Gabriel, huh? Not only, I mean, yeah, not only was the run game pretty omnipresent for the Sooners, right? It was everywhere. 20 carries for Eric Gray. I didn't realize Javante Barnes got 21 carries. They ran the ball 57 times. But the third most carries for the Sooners, Dylan Gabriel. And he was good. We we, we talked to him after. He took a couple tough shots. I think he'd even told us it was really more his neck than anything else. But elite in his accuracy. 29 of 42, 403 yards, two touchdowns. Had the one pick in which I guess he just didn't even see what was it, the linebacker that was standing there. Yeah, and it looked like I, I don't know. It looked like I stopped a route short, right? Yeah. Uh, miscommunication between the two, clearly. But, I, I, again, I know that this, bad, is, this isn't earth-shattering, ground-breaking analysis in these first two. But number five, feed the stud, make sure Marvin Mims is involved. And number four, the Dylan Gabriel difference. Now, I'm not going to tell you that they win against Texas or come back and beat TCU if Gabriel is there. But I'm feeling pretty good that's a little bit tighter than what we experienced in both of those situations. And I'll tell you what. You know, his accuracy was a major conversation after Nebraska, obviously into some throws against Kansas State and even TCU. I thought he looked better. I didn't notice anything with his base that suddenly Robert Griffin III made us all experts on. Did they miss a couple of passes? Sure, a few deep shots. Did it take a spectacular catch from Gavin Freeman on one play? Yeah, but I thought he, I thought he looked really good. I, I just thought he looked good and accurate. I mean, the, the offense rolled up 700 yards, so he, and he threw for over 400. So, yeah, he was doing some things right. All right, let me trigger you with number three. Number three. Oh. 
I know in a 42-point game that this isn't something that many people are going to say. I agree, but defense is closer than the final score might indicate. And I know, I know, I know how saying they're close matters to you. We were joking about it on Sunday morning at church. And Trevor Anderson says, oh, they're close, right? That 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 USC team is close. And then I'm like, gosh, he's really going to hate whenever he hears this on the show Monday. <laughs> but I, I think they're a little closer than a 42-point output might indicate. What tells you that? They, they did have seven stops throughout the game. Teddy said it. So when Teddy said it, I just kind of echoed it. Gossip. No, it was gossipy. I just – yeah, it's kind of funny. One of the, what I thought one of the more impressive plays of the game was Deshaun White on that little flare pass, jumping up and nearly having a pick six. Yeah, yeah, he was in the wrong spot. He was. <laughs> he even said it. It was funny in our post game. If you listen to it, he's like, "Yeah, I uh, I was in the wrong spot." And I was coming over to the sideline, and I saw Coach Venables waiting for me, and I knew that I had messed up. But, again, when you mess up and you're still able to make a play, all right, so we're getting somewhere. I just – I thought things looked a little better. You know, there's still a lot of work to be done. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that they're elite. I'm not trying to tell you that suddenly this is you know 2019 Clemson or anything. Um, or, gosh, what would you say, Oh. 7-0-U or, you know, one of those Teddy Lehman defenses. But they're they're getting better. And I know that's a hard sell when you look up and you gave up 42 points. But they did a better job. Forced a couple of turnovers, too. I'm going to move on quickly so I don't dig my hole any deeper on this one just to be safe. I think the one area <laughs> I'd really like to see them do better is just the pressure department. Right. If if they could figure that piece out, then some of what you're talking about, I don't think would be altogether incorrect. And oh. even sooner, Gary agrees with me. Sooner, Gary agrees. The first Kansas TD was actually really well defended. The ball just happened to fall into the receiver's hands. See, that's what I'm saying, Josh. No, it, it, yeah, no, that's true. Thanks, yeah, Gary. deflected up into the air. Yeah. It was an yeah. acrobatic uh, catch that. You got a good bounce on if you're Kansas. It was a step in the right direction. Obviously, they they need to get much, much better. I think everybody's aware of that. Yeah, I agree. By the way, Sooner Soldier writes, if Gabriel stays next year, he won't have the starting spot. The five-star stud from Ditton will. Maybe. I I like Jackson Arnold a lot. I really do. But – Let's take a quick trip around the country and let's look at the true freshmen that are starting for top 10 teams right now. I'll wait. It's okay. And, and I, I'm one of the first people to say that, oh, when the stud comes in, he's going to start and he should start. Look at uh, Caleb Williams and look at, the, look at this guy. Bryce Young sat for a year. You know, look across the country. These, these great quarterbacks that are – leading teams. I mean, Will Levis started at Penn State. You know, they're talking about him being the top pick in the draft. I know it sounds good because everyone sees him and he's a rock star and they and he looks the part, but uh, I'm okay if Dylan comes back for a year and he gets to learn from him. 
And I hope Jeff Levy, you know, dude's a stud. He's an absolute stud. I hope he's around for a while because someone's going to bring him in to be their head coach. All right, um, big story number two. Number two. All right, let me rephrase that. Um, big takeaway from Saturday number two. It wasn't just young guys, but I liked seeing some players that I thought would have a bigger role making some plays. Key Lawrence. I felt like his snaps had been down the previous few weeks. I don't have the snap counter to back that up, but I felt like he was out there making some of the plays that I envisioned him making and I felt like he was making in the early part of the season. Robert Spears Jennings. I think someone had texted in and asked about him last week, and I was somewhat dismissive just because I didn't know. I felt like, hey, who you've seen back there is who you're going to see, but it was good to see him get more opportunity. And C.J. Colden, the transfer from Wyoming, I mean, it it looks like for the most part it's going to be Woody and him, and I'm fine with that. They got a little depth there. They got some younger guys. Didn't see Kendall Dennis much on Saturday. Had seen him a few times. But I, Javante Barnes, I, I still think Marcus Major, I don't think that was anything other than just still trying to battle through that ankle injury. I don't think he was 100% at, at Texas, and I don't think he was on Saturday. But seeing Javante Barnes get a few more carries on Saturday I thought was really good. Yeah, I mean – I know Canick still isn't out there enough for all of you, and we've fallen in love universally with seven, but he also did not have that massive elbow brace on for the first time all season, so maybe he's getting healthier and healthier. But I don't know, Josh. I, I liked seeing some different names and faces out there getting an opportunity and on the offensive line too I said it's not always young guys but seeing Robert Conjol out there looked like he did a really good job from saw, what we saw saw 60 snaps Robert Conjol did uh, 56 by the way the snap count per PFF for Key Lawrence that seems like it's up significantly from the last few weeks seven really for does. Jaron Kanick all seven came on the last two drives it seemed but Hey, keep doing the right things in in practice, and you're good to go. And that's a good point. Maybe it was just a matter for Key Lawrence of him getting healthy. Remember, he missed the second game of the season. Um, That's a good point. Maybe he's finally back to 100% because he looked apart. He looked really good on Saturday. And now you get a week, and you think about a few guys who have been Billy Bowman. right? I would think that next Saturday would be a game that he could play. Would think. Don't know for sure would think. So you add Bowman back to the mix. Mentioned Key Lawrence getting healthier and healthier. Another week for Dylan Gabriel to get healthier and healthier. Marcus Major to get healthier and healthier. Who am I leaving out? I mean, they just – Ethan Downs left the game early on yeah. Saturday. Chance for him to get healthy and hopefully be ready to go this week. So, man. Nice little list of players that hopefully throughout the bye week you could get back uh, healthy and right and ready for the home stretch here. And big story number one, or big takeaway number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. You feel like, regardless of what anyone says about Kansas or where Oklahoma is or the win or trying to disrespect it, don't care. 
They needed it. And, Josh, it looked like players are still bought in. Had they lost on Saturday and things had fallen apart, boy, we're having a much different conversation today, right? If they go score on that first drive, Kansas comes back and scores like they did, get a little break, and they kind of fall apart, then we have a problem. We don't have a problem. This team is still bought in. Now, they're not going to the 14 playoff. Um, it's going to take a lot of people falling apart to be back in the Big 12 championship mix. But they, this is a team that got a win they needed and appears to be still bought in. Sure. And, yeah, the, the Big 12 championship game mix, I mean, probably, probably yeah. you're out of that. I mean, obviously you'd have to win out and need all sorts of different things that are out of your control to happen, to happen. Important thing for Oklahoma is, look, right now, let's just call it what it is. It really doesn't matter who Kansas winds up being. It doesn't matter what Kansas is minus Jalen Daniels. If Kansas proceeds to lose every single game the rest of the way, which I think is a possibility for them. Now, they, they might turn around and beat Baylor this week or they could win at Texas Tech. But beyond that, I don't know that Kansas has beaten either Texas or Oklahoma State at home, and I don't think they're going to Manhattan and beating Kansas State. Regardless of what Kansas winds up being, OU just needed a win. They had to get a win, needed it desperately going into the bye week, and they got that, and they did it in impressive fashion offensively. And really, that's kind of the most important thing for OU. Two things really caught my ear from the post-game presser with Brent Venables. Two things really, really resonated with me. We'll play them for you next right here on The Ref. All right, so as we welcome you into Hour 3 of the Plank Show, brought to you by Roof Tech of Oklahoma, locally owned and operated for 30 years, call Josh Tucker at Roof Tech for all of your roofing needs, 405-703-4245. That's 405-703-4245. Josh Helmer mentioned two things from the post game that caught my ear from Brent Venables. This was good. I think a lot of last week, I don't want to say we were in shock, but when Coach Venables went on the, you know, the best is the standard, we're not going to change the standard. Uh, he even had mentioned, hey, if you, want to, if you want to go, I'll help you transfer. If you want to leave as a coach, I'll help you get out. And he went back to that in the post game, and I thought this was really, really good. Uh, you know, I made a, a challenge, you know, I, I, you, you guys, you know, heard it. You know, where I challenge, hey, if anybody wants to leave, if anybody doesn't, you know, like, you know, you're free to leave, all that. It wasn't as though there was all these bad things happening, but I wanted to make it very clear, you know, what it's going to take. It's going to be really hard, you know, to, to finish the year. You know, it's a, always is hard. No matter if you're, if you're really successful, then you're fighting complacency. You know, you're fighting the noise that goes with it. If you're one of those undefeated teams, usually you have some really good players that are also – um, a lot of people are trying to get their hands on and and or again when you're dealing with young people uh, you know and or old people alike and you're having success I mean you you know you start you know taking two hands off the wheel and so handling success is a lot more difficult than handling you know failure in my opinion and um, but both are incredibly important how you handle both of them and so uh, you know you know, there's no doubt about it that you like to have plenty to correct, which we do uh, through victory. It's a big difference. And, uh, and again, it's, to me, hopefully just a shot in the arm that we need, you know, um, both confident, confidence-wise uh, and, you know, try to get into a, a rhythm, you know. Uh, we put ourselves behind the eight ball. 
And uh, we played good teams, but again, I'm I'm all for getting beat on a play when it's competitive, but not not when uh, we're doing stuff that that we shouldn't be doing. You know, it's good. Hey, man, I told him. Listen, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. If you want to go, I'll help you get out. No harm. If you don't like it, completely understand. We'll help you move on. But the buy-in never wavered, and I think that's. I think that's a pretty good message. Now, you know, people might not be happy with their role. I know everyone kind of quickly pointed to the Jaden Gibson tweet, and I understand that. Jaden Gibson's been an emotional guy, and I think he's going to be really special wherever he ends up. He's also a true freshman. And you're looking around the country, and you're seeing guys maybe get a few more opportunities than you are right now. But, hey, you don't want to be here to help you get out. I like that mindset. I don't well, want Jaden Gibson to leave, by the way. And – if you're going to toss the dot, dot, dot out there, don't drop passes when they're thrown your way. Holy smokes. Want to be upset about, you know, snaps or this or that. If that was, in fact, what was going on, I mean, I think it's easy to deduce that Gibson maybe is upset about his role. But, look, man, you've had some opportunities to go carve out a role for yourself. And, frankly, you have not delivered when given said opportunity. Um. One more. One more from Brent Venables. No, it was, it was huge, you know. It's always, you know, turnovers are, uh, you know, one of the most important stats in, in winning and losing. And, and uh, you know, they're in plus territory there. You know, they're down in our side of the field. I think that was the fifth play of a 40-yard of a drive, and they're in plus territory. So that was a huge play. And, uh, you know, our offense, you know, gets the ball back. And, um they get the ball back and go down and score. And um, and so, you know, that's complimenting each other. Um, that's doing the little things great. And it's a really nice play by CJ. And even on that, even, okay, he made this great interception. Um, like, you, there's coaching on that play, too. Like, you got to have more width and depth. You shouldn't have triggered. Two's going to the flat. You know, one is coming in behind you. And uh, he makes a great play, you know. But we, we need to be better. You know, we got to be better fundamentally there. And that's literally the message. Okay, hey, great job, fantastic, nice job, but and and that's where we're at right now. You know that we there's stuff that you can coach even through you know success, and we got to do a great job as as a staff doing that as we continue to develop our guys. Yeah, you know it's it's just like going back to the Deshaun Watson near interception on that flare pass, right? He's in the wrong spot. He's still coaching him up. Still trying to make sure that they're doing everything with great technique. Man, I'm I'm so glad they won on Saturday. <laughs> no idea. I told someone, someone talking to Jake, it's like if they didn't if they didn't take care of business Saturday. I might have might have come up with an illness on Monday or Tuesday, maybe also Wednesday. But they they needed some positivity heading into the bye week. Now they can get healthy. And see what kind of run they can make. It gets tough. You got Iowa State. You got Baylor. You got Oklahoma State. You got a road trip up to West Virginia, who's suddenly playing better. I mean, it's this is now the tougher part, I guess you could say, of the Big 12. Texas Tech's it feels like they're rolling with what I guess, even though they had to buy this last week as their new quarterback. We'll see Thursday. I'm just – I'm intrigued to see which way they go. There's – not really an easy part of the Big 12 for anybody, but uh, 
you know, now all of a sudden the Baylor contest I don't think looks maybe as intimidating as it did coming into the season. That's certainly a winnable game. And then outside of that, you've really got Oklahoma State that is, we think, top half, top four team in the Big 12. So, to me, I mean, this is where you can make your hay if you're Oklahoma. You can go out and win these games coming down the home stretch. You played the best teams in the league. Did I say Deshaun Watson again? Sorry, Deshaun White. I've done it like five times. I did it on the the radio network one time too. I just feel like we spent all summer saying Deshaun Watson, then all of a sudden – We've got a Deshaun White making plays, and I'm like, oh. yeah, Deshaun White was in the wrong spot whenever he made that play. It's not an easy road, but maybe some of the games that you feel like we're going to be challenging aren't what they once were. Hey, here's one thing. You know, going into next Saturday, if your defense doesn't have success slowing down Iowa State, then we're having a much different conversation two weeks from Monday. All right, um, a week from Monday, right, in two weeks. Because Iowa State is inept offensively. And they nearly pulled off an upset over Texas. Nearly did it. All right, quick break. Anything else to add from what BV had to say? I, I didn't play his opening statement, but – Maybe we can do that next. Yeah, we, we can do that next. A couple of other things really caught my ear. Dylan Gabriel as well. So we'll get into it. It's Plank Show. We're in studio, the Brown O'Haver Studios on a Monday. And Hour 3 brought to you by Roof Tech of Oklahoma, 405-703-4245. Your text next right here on the Home Sooner Fans. Charles Barkley has a new deal with TNT. It's, as he should. It's a 10-year deal that is approaching $200 million for Charles Barkley. Yeah, and you know what? He's worth it. That's awesome. (laughs) I mean, I love seeing dudes get paid, especially when they've earned it. Ten years, uh, Andrew Marchand reports that it's well north of $100 million and likely approaches $200 million. By God, King, that's Charles Barkley's music. He's just spraying hundreds all over the place. Kudos to him. And... ABC, according to a report this morning, will carry all five NBA Christmas Day games this season and simulcast them with ABC, or ESPN, excuse me. Plus, the NBA reaches a media rights deal with Amazon, but only in Brazil. So there you go. How does that work? All right, um, see the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Jesse writes, for what it's worth, Deshaun Watson was in the wrong place when he made about 30 plays as well. It's a fair point. Um, Bama Tom, sad weekend. McGinnis, Bama, OSU, Green Bay, all lost. Your idea of sad, Bama Tom, and our idea of sad, much, much different. Yeah, I saw a tweet from, you know, you end up in a Twitter thread or whatever. Right. There was some... Alabama fan that had tweeted it just makes losing so much more excruciating when you've been this good and I'm thinking to myself you mother <laughs> like how dare you compare your agony to anybody else yeah. in college football's agony your your heartbreak and hurt from your multiple championships six or however many it's been over the last 10 plus years get out of here with that nonsense just we've been so good i I don't understand this it just makes the fall from grace so much more difficult 
Do you realize I was I was looking at this stat after Saturday night? Alabama hasn't lost more than two games in a season since 2013. And they've only had one one season of more than two losses since the 2007 year, it's just, which was Nick Saban's first season. I mean, that's just ridiculous. 13-2 last year. The second loss was in the national championship game. Undefeated the year before. 11-2, and 14-1, 13-1. Ah, shut up. Take your L. It's fine. It happens. Get used, get used to Tennessee, Tennessee being good. Yeah. It just makes it harder. I'm not saying that's you, Bama Tom. Uh, someone asked, what is Bowman's injury? More severe than I thought it was. <laughs> but it wasn't. Initially, I thought it was a hammy. Right? Because he had ice on the back. But I believe he's dealing with a, with a knee injury. Um. Let's hit some of these from earlier in the show, too, because I haven't been good at keeping up to date on those who paid off what the show's focus was today here on The Ref. After seven weeks, seven games of Oklahoma Sooner football, I know this. Clearwater Sooner. I know this. Mims was targeted 16 times Saturday. He should be targeted 12 to 15 times every game. He is a playmaker. Amen. Yeah, we put that you know on our list of five things that we learned coming out of Saturday's game. FTS, feed the stud for the 405. What did you think about the freshman playing on defense? Looks promising. I know everyone wants to see more snaps from Jaron Kanick. But our Mason Thomas played a lot. Remember, he got hurt in the opener, missed a couple of games. We had Miguel Chavis on Coach's Corner this last week. He was singing the praises. Of R. Mason Thomas. Still weird for me. Haven't quite got used to a defensive end wearing number 32. But really impressed with R. Mason Thomas. Felt like Grayson Halton got back in the rotation a little bit earlier. Seemed like he was making a difference. And yeah, we we talked about Robert Spears Jennings and what he was able to do. Thought it was great. Thought it was good. Uh, you'll see more guys rotate in. Guys are getting healthier. Billy Bowman will be back. Got some good youth. Um, Jesse, Jesse, are you okay? You seem very concerned right now. We're good, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to – just don't don't worry about okay, it. Okay, all right. It's just like, you know, seem upset. No, everything's good. Uh, Jesse G writes, we are all juice box brothers. And I guess certain people want a group that has struggled to cover the back to pull a guy out of coverage constantly to get blocked. Yeah, if if you're wondering, that's to the, I think, Sooner Soldier's question earlier about why the Sooners aren't r- blitzing more. I think, again, Brent Venable said it in our post-game interview. They did some things differently, right? You can't do the same thing over and over and over and expect things to just magically change. Yes, they're going to have their core concepts. They're going to have their core beliefs, but they adjusted the schedule. They adjusted the way things were done, um, and that was going to happen anyway as the season got longer. So, yeah, I, I'm going to trust them on when and if they should blitz and how often they want to use it. For the 918, this team finishes no worse than 7-5. and five. 
So four and three right now. Three and two in their final five games. I think for some that would be a disappointment. But then again, after what happened last Saturday, I guess I'd say two Saturdays ago, maybe not. I would think that's the floor seven and five is right now. You think the floor? Yeah. You think it's the ceiling? No, I don't think it's the ceiling, but I don't necessarily – I'm not comfortable saying it's the floor just yet. Because I, I find mean, out next week? Yeah, I, I mean, I think Oklahoma could lose every single game the rest of the way. Wow. I thought you were positive, Josh, today. I, well, I don't, think, I don't think they will. I'm just saying that – They could win all their games. They could lose all their correct. games. Correct. Fair assessment. It, if, if you feel – oh, well, let me rephrase that. For my take that 7-5 and five is the floor, they better win next Saturday. Right. Agreed. That you gotta go to Ames and win. And well, Iowa I State's gonna will. play you tough at home. You know that's the case. Um more nine one eight's on fire today. Caleb Williams saw those seven hundred yards of offense and thought, dang, man, that could have been me. It was wild how quickly he fell right out of the Heisman trophy list, wasn't it? It's like, man, he still put up pretty good numbers and I mean Hinden Hooker suddenly becomes the top guy on the Heisman list. Blake Corum is right there on the sure. on the Heisman list. They, I mean, he's going to need a big performance versus Ohio State, and it's just if you're not a quarterback, it's hard to win the award. You, you have to be extraordinary, right? I mean, and that goes for even wide receivers and running backs. You have to do something that really has not been seen before. And right now, Blake Corum is not providing something that we've not seen a running back do before. And that that stinks because he's having a great year. He's been terrific. Here's a good question for you, Josh. What's more impressive, 701 yards or 36 first downs? Yeah, uh, probably the 36 first downs. I mean, you, obviously you're not going to get 700 yards without that type of consistent uh, conversion rate. Right. Exactly. Huh. I mean, 36 first downs is a gigantic number. Oh, absolutely. But, I don't know, man. It's it's a really, really exciting offensive performance. And I don't – I still have this moment where I'll be shaking my head realizing that's the same team that lost 49 0 the week before. How is that even possible? Dylan Gabriel, I get that. I understand that. I know it, but still, it's just does not compute. With those skill players. With those skill players, that right? You couldn't, yeah, couldn't go get one score is a little puzzling, but it amplifies the importance, again, of the quarterback position. Look at the 918 showing out. Sooners go 8-3, and three, tie for third, maybe second, never know. Sooner magic. And Hooker is, what, 24, 26 years old? Come on, man. He's 24. What's <laughs> wrong with that? Hinden Hooker's 24 years old and still in college. Also, they, they're they going to play 12 games. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need to add one more. We, we, Eight and three or nine and three. We've a lot of that recently where it's like people think they only play 11 for some reason. Eight and three. So you're. I would assume he's saying nine and three. Yeah, that's right. Because he's saying they're not going to lose. Um, also, the announcer on ESPN – who, I don't even know who did the game. I had no idea who their sideline reporter was. I'd never seen her before. Yeah, who was it? I don't know. And she did not do the one thing that every smart sideline reporter should do, which is 
talk to the radio sideline reporters who usually have a little bit more insight, but I digress. Uh, the announcer on ESPN said while he was watching practice that BV was very much a part of coaching the defense all week. Maybe Roof's a good coach, but not right for the Sooners' defense as the head of the defense. I Again, I, I would not read too much into that. I think Brent Venables is going to be involved in coaching the coaches – in coaching the defense regardless, right? Defensive coordinator, I'm not going to say in title only, but I would say defensive coordinator that's constantly going to, I don't want to say fight, but constantly going to be challenged by his head coach. So I wouldn't get I wouldn't get too caught up in that. I think he's always going to be a guy that is going to be involved in coaching the defense. All right, and he should be. 11.49. Gosh, we're running we're running right on time today, Josh Helmer. When we come back, some final thoughts from Saturday as we get you set for Steelman and Thune at noon. Oh, my gosh. Steelman's got to be on cloud nine, right? Oh, yeah. Sooners win. Shoe loses. My, my man is going to be riding sky high. Good things come to those that wait. It's coming up next right here on The Ref. Looky here. Where did Josh go? TJ Perry, ladies and gentlemen. I think he's coming back down the hallway. I was just hitting buttons for him. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> it's like, whoa. I I literally was zoned out. There was something I wanted to there's something I wanted to read for this last segment. I looked at him like, whoa, there's TJ. You Surprise. Good? Yep, we're good. Right, beautiful. Steel Man and Thune coming up next. It was it was a fun Saturday. It was a fun Sunday. I think it's gonna be a fun Monday tonight. <sighs> I can't wait for Tuesday. What's Tuesday? I don't know. It's going to be fun, though. <laughs> you have more high school stuff coming up on Tuesday? Is that what it all is? It just feels like is? every day is fun anymore. You know, it's wild to me. I was thinking um, we're talking about Texas being a, as big of a favorite as they are next week. Scoresandodds.com. Let me check the latest update. What is uh, the number for that game? Uh, Texas opened at like three and a half. And... Uh, now it's up – oh, they open at two and a half. Now it's up to six. Over Oklahoma State? In Stillwater. Six. Yeah, I mean, I like Oklahoma State on that number. But here's what's – here's what's wild. I, why would it shift so much so early? Right? I mean – I don't know. Nick Moles, who covers Texas, said the the team had like a – Big come together meeting, and it didn't necessarily go. All right, excuse me. They pointed out some of the things that didn't necessarily go so well. So they had to be come to Jesus meeting. So I don't know if people saw that and were like, "Oh, that had come to Jesus meeting." Horns are ready. Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I it's, they didn't I'm really per- play all that great versus Iowa State. I'm perplexed by that number. How about Oregon being a six point favorite over UCLA? I think Oregon might roll them. But I do like UCLA. I don't think they'll roll them, but, they, yeah, we'll probably win that game. Would it be a lock for UCLA to cover in your mind? Six points? Yeah. No. But I don't think, like, if you gave me, in the world of gambling, they have what's called, what, a alternative spread, or you can, like – sure kind of get an adjusted number. Right. So if you said Oregon minus 13, I would not take 
them to cover that. How can Oklahoma State be a six and a half point dog at home to Texas? Yeah, I don't know. Um, seems like a slam dunk to feel like Oklahoma State would keep it within a field goal or so, or perhaps just win outright at home. Am I crazy if I just want to go ahead and get that as my upset pick of the week now? No, I think it's a good pick. In fact, you might have talked me into it. Realtor Chris hit us up. He said Rod Gilmore was the analyst. He said Rod Gilmore had a bad day on TV, talking bad clock management at the end of the first half and DG running to kill the clock. Both were necessary and both were wrong by Rod. I don't know why he didn't understand that the Sooners didn't want to go three and out before the half and let KU score. Yeah, that was a unique situation near the end of the first half because the Sooners had two meh plays, and then all of a sudden they busted a big run, and it kind of changed the whole mindset. Mm -hmm. Well, I I actually – I kind of agree with Rod. Oh, do you? Yeah, in in stadium I was sort of like, oh, man, they're just – you know – Totally scared of what Kansas might do if it gets the football back in calling this thing wildly conservatively, and then lo and behold, it works out, but they don't get points. See, but I, I think that's kind of been the way it's gone in the past, right? You get the ball somewhat deep in your own territory. If you get a big run, then suddenly it changes everything. Unfortunately for the Sooners, that big run didn't come till third it's, down. It's a good carryover to tomorrow conversation because, look, man, it was a game that Oklahoma could do whatever it wanted to do offensively. And it's also a game where they got robbed of a touchdown because I totally thought that Marvin Mims was in. <laughs> but The play before? Yeah, I totally thought he was in. But you know what? That's for tomorrow. Steel Man and Thune are next right here on The Ref.